The Tales of Tebow. Yes, it's that time of the week. You're back with the second best NFL podcast in the UK, the Division B podcast. And what an episode we have in store to you. Plenty to uncover this week. Football is back in some aspect. Hard knocks for reviews and plenty more from myself and my co-host. So, we are back. Brandon, my co-host, is here with me. We are in our final live episode where me and Brandon will be recording together until Christmas. Which, which shame. It is a bit sad. It's a shame. Um, but one more year, the 2022 season, and we'll be fresh faced with another, one another, every week. Indeed. So, plenty to look forward to in the future. Yeah. But how about the week just gone? The week just gone, Ben. Pre-season's back. It is. Football is back. I know we had the Hall of Fame game, but this is proper. Uh, yeah, on the edge for me. I think, I think I've think i got one foot in, yes, it's proper, and one foot in. It is, is it proper it is for the full boring. 60 minutes? Yeah, yeah. It, is, it, is, it is reasonably boring, but it's it's people playing. And the best thing about this, obviously, especially the first week, you got to see them rookies mm. playing. you got to see a first chance, a first glimpse of what these guys are going to be like come... September the 12th. That's very true. And I think the nicest thing for me is you can sit down and you can just put the NFL on. Mm. And it doesn't matter at the moment. No. <laughs> like the first quarters are the only 15 minutes of the games that actually matter to anyone because <laughs> that's where the, the starters are. And then from that point on, even halfway through the first quarter, yeah. some of them are like, nah, you're good. Done my part. Mm. <laughs> but that's the joy of it. Yeah. And where better place to start than the rookies, as you've previously mentioned. Let's do it, boss. Where better to start than within those rookies than the five QBs off the board in round one of the 2021 NFL Draft? Yeah. Firstly, I don't think there's anyone better to start with than your boy, old Mackie Jones. He kicks off pre-season good, Ben. Mac Jones! What a man! He took double the reps in Cam Newton on Thursday night. Um, and the, the biggest thing about this, I think, is... We look at the average pass, pass depth target length. Now, Cam Newton had a shocking 0.7 mm. compared to Matt Jones's 7.6. And you can tell that in this game, Matt Jones is trying to prove a point, saying, hey, I'm a big thrower. I'm going to throw big. I'm going to throw long. Bill, look at me. I want to be your <laughs> starter. And Cam Newton's just taking it easy. I think it was a bad game for Cam Newton because this is his biggest... Probably his biggest game because it was the first time they've come up against each other. Yeah. And he hasn't shown anything. What What did you make of the comment said in the post-game interview of the Chase Young in quotation marks and um, the sarcastic marks of Chase Young? Yeah, he's small. Or he's not as big as I thought. I don't get do you, it. Do you think that's a bit of a palm off? Like I a, think it's yeah. definitely a palm off. Chase Young was the defensive rookie of the year. How, like, Cam Newton, I know you've got a great accolade in the past, but... You're in no place to say that, mate. No. You've had a shocking season last year. There's a rookie about to get onto you this year. You've had a worse game than him. If anyone's going to say that, it should be Matt Jones because he yeah. had a better game than you. So I think it's just a bit... I think I like Cam Newton. 
I've got a lot of respect for him, but... There's a time and place for a joke. Indeed, yeah. exactly. So, I don't really get it. I mean, it's pre-season. They're probably all mates anyway. A lot of, yeah. a lot of NFL players are friends. But, I don't know. Bit odd. Bit odd, I think. I think that was the thing for me, though, is Matt Jones, and it is completely reassured by our stats, is he looked so much more in control of that offence. Yeah. Mm. And that wasn't even with the first string guys. Yeah. What, and Kill Harry was playing in a slot, who... It's a bit of a disappointment, but that's another story in itself. It's another can of worms. Um, that's with guys he won't like who aren't as good. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. the mad thing, you know. I mean, he had a couple of links with John U. Smith, right? Smith, a, cu- yeah. a couple, but not not a ton. Mm. And you know, you still got Hunter Henry to come in as another tight end, yeah. which works as we've seen in so many years with Bill Belichick. It works with two tight ends for him, and he's got two wide receivers who are still looking to prove themselves in the mm. league, like, well and truly, I think it's... I think Mac Jones may have the best season out of those top five guys. I wouldn't go that far, I don't know. I think it depends on how much he plays, mm. because he's not... Like, you look at someone like Trevor Lawrence, and you know he's gonna, really going to be the star when yeah. it's Minshew just, I don't know, does something fantastic, <laughs> which he probably won't, but... Matt Jones, he from this first week, he looks like he seems the more comfortable. I don't know whether that's because I've watched that game and I haven't really watched the other ones, but from what I've heard, he looks like and sounds like he's probably the most comfortable. And out of them five rookies, probably the leader in taking over someone, like uh, Trey Lance compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, Gr- yeah. maybe there there's, could be a little bit more of a, a close battle. But after that first game, Matt Jones does look like he's... He's well on course to beating Cam Newton to that start spot. Yeah, I, do. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think <clears throat> the other one that was interesting to me was was Zach. Mm. Um, he had moments where it was like, I mean, I, I haven't got statistics. This is purely my observation. No, me neither. Um, there were moments where it was like, oh, okay. But there were more moments that were like, ooh. Yeah. Who's, I, I saw a quote saying something like, it was he played well, but there's a lot, a lot of work yeah. to do. And that's what we come back to in last week's episode of those two days of camp that he missed. Yeah. Is that gonna affect him? Mm. I think it I think if if the highlights of the game he had this week at anything to go off in preseason, the guy is a nervous wreck. Yeah. Like for an athlete who your second pick overall in the most talked about draft in history, like as in just NFL in general. Um, and you're not living up to expectations. Don't get me wrong. Jets fans are pricks. They're mm-hmm. assholes. And that's probably not all of them. Not <laughs> them. <laughs> that's probably like that's probably hard enough in itself. Yeah. Without the pressure of the fans, mm. but you're in arguably the biggest city in the US. Yeah. With a team who hasn't had success in God, what they won Super Bowl one right with Joe Namath. I don't Some think they've won it since. They may have done. But I don't really know. <laughs> There's a lot riding on him, and you compare it to, to Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, who will still have that pressure of wanting to get to the top, as everyone does in the NFL, but specifically those three. But Justin and Trevor, compared to Zach, just looked a world apart. Mm. So for me, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think we were completely right then when we said <laughs> that the two days of training camp has really hindered him. Because it does prove that. It does. Something that hasn't been proven, though, for anyone getting hindered. What do you make of Justin Fields' performance? 
again, uh, I saw bits and bobs, but I think the thing for me was his awareness in the pocket was unbelievable. Like, and there were people doubting that. Mm. Like, there were people genuinely doubting: Does he rush at the right time? Does he look at a pass that isn't on, and then it's too late to get out of the pocket or anything like that? And again, it's pre-season. You're not going against the number one edge rushers or defensive line yeah. or D-backs or linebackers. But you're still in the NFL and it's still an NFL game. And he looked very comfortable. I think he was probably the best one. I mean, he had they beat the Dolphins 20-13. to 13, uh, 142 yards. Wow. He threw for two touchdowns, one passing, one passing and one rushing. So, I think... He's, he's, he's definitely filled, filled his boots in already at mm. Chicago. I, th- I saw a video and it was um, the head coach saying, Justin, you're in. And he was like, oh, what, what, what? And he got really <laughs> excited. And he, he really proved his worth, I think. I think for, his, for his debut, 142 yards yeah, and two touchdowns. I, I think the nicest thing for me is, I've, I haven't, I'm not going to say I've followed his path because I haven't, but there was a series on Netflix called QB1 Beyond the Lights and he was on the second season of that. Mm. And he was constantly in Trevor Lawrence's shadow. Like, there were little aspects. They were they were in the same state for high school football. They did this Elite 11 program where the best 11 QBs um, across the country get selected to compete in a competition for NFL. And Trevor Lawrence beat him in the final of that. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence went to Clemson. No question about him being a starter. Trevor had the transfer. He got a lot of scrutiny because he didn't start ahead of a couple of quarterbacks at Georgia to then get his start at Ohio State. And finally, 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 he's getting the spotlight he deserves. And he's proving all the doubters from the draft wrong. Yeah, we can't forget, he was the last one to go. Which is mad. And the, sh- the Bears moved up to get him. Yeah. And that was to what? Like, I think it was 20, just after the Patriots. I think so it was, 20th, I know, one, 19th? I think it was one one or two before the Patriots. I don't know if you're right. Probably. But... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's going to be a lot of teams, especially the Atlanta Falcons now, yeah. who have gone, oh, oh, yeah, we've got Kyle Pitts. Mm. Oh, but Justin was there to get taken. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very Lamar Jackson-esque career mm. for Justin Fields in terms of, you looked past me, now you're going to regret it. Yeah. And I hope he's a bit more successful. So Lamar Jackson's... Yeah. He's coming and going, isn't he? It's just a very odd, very odd man. <clears throat> but the last one, Trey Lance. Yeah. Um, obviously, the 49ers looked good, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, he didn't play long. He played half a quarter, quarter and a half. Yeah, not a long, um, not a long time. But, I mean, he came in off Jimmy G and he threw an unbelievable dime. Uh, it was, I think it was 56 yards or something. I've got 80. There you go. There's more, there you go. <laughs> It was, it was that. And just popped it over the D-back's head. Yeah. Now, perfectly in his receiver's arms, in stride. Wasn't even reaching for it. Mm. And it's like, people were saying this guy's arm talent is number two in the draft behind, believe it or not, Zach Wilson. <laughs> I, I think he's blown that out of the water. Yeah. I think, yes, it's one pass. And yes, are we getting carried away? Absolutely. <laughs> That's the point of preseason. Um Go on Trey Lance. Go and give Jimmy G a run for his money. Mm. Get Jimmy G to prove his worth and you to prove your worth. Yeah, Trey Lance was a weird one going into the draft because people, people were saying when he went, uh, I think it was number four to, to the 49ers, they yes. were saying, Has he really, have they really gone for Trey Lance when you got Justin Fields there? I mean, Trey Lance came from 
Uh, what, what was the university? Was it North Dakota? Yeah, North Dakota State, same as Carson Wentz. I mean, a tiny university compared to your, your massive ones, compared to your Ohio State, Clemson, yeah. And like, like with um, Justin Fields, he's proved the haters wrong. Mm. I mean, again, pre-season, but your debut, you've smashed it, mate. Did you see the hype, um, the sideline and the guys on field gave him when he got off? No, I didn't. Oh, mate! Like, I mean, it, it was it was almost NBA esque. Really? You know, when they drop threes and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll run on the yeah, pitch. yeah. And like, they, that's what they were doing with him. Yeah. They just literally arms up to the touchdown signal, all on the sideline. Like, and then I'll, I'll be really interested to see this preseason week one mic'd up because <laughs> if that's on it, it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be great. But um, I don't know. It almost feels like I'm not gonna say Trey Lance has won the dressing room. Because I don't think he has, and I don't think he will till the end of the season, or if he gets that number one QB one role permanently. But it looks like they have a lot of respect for him. And something George Kittle said, who's Jimmy G's best mate, is we're going to play whoever's QB one. Yeah. And that was interesting. And if that's a sign for the season to come, it's going to be interesting in the NFC West, regardless. But for the 49ers, who have favoured for a lot of people to go far in playoffs, go deep mm. in playoffs, it's going to be going to be extraordinary. Been been interesting. Yes. Been a good preseason. Should we get away so from? Far. Should we get away from the, the rookies? Yeah. <laughs> um, something that really stuck to me was the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. I think they were getting a lot of slander for Carson Wentz. For was it? Who's gone to you from them? The receiver. Uh, oh no, he was at the Raiders. Oh, yeah. um, oh we've taken. We've taken there. Uh, Matthew Judon. Yes. The, the Eagles. No, no, he was he was the Ravens. No, yeah, yeah, he was the Ravens. I'm thinking of a receiver who was at the Raiders before he came to you. And he was at the Eagles before the Raiders. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking way too far in the back. Nelson Aguilar? Yes. Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. Um, and almost completely ruining their Super Bowl squad from four years ago. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, Jalen Hurts looked like a vet quarterback mm. in that game. Uh, Joe Flacco came in after him. Flacco looked good for Flacco, to be fair. Yeah. I thought, like... Flacco's had a harsh few years in Denver and New York and Baltimore, mm. but he's gone into Philadelphia and he looks comfortable. And Jalen Hurts just—I almost feel like this is Jalen Hurts' rookie year in yeah. a, in a sense. Like last year, he came in, Carson Wentz wasn't playing well. There was a lot of hate between Doug Peterson and the fans, as well as Carson Wentz and the fans. Almost that Jalen Hurts' play was overlooked. Mm. So I, I do feel like this is Jalen Hurts going. This is my rookie year. I start now. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see where they go. Yeah, it's, they're in that they're in that division, aren't they? Where you're not you're not really sure how people are going to turn up. You've no. also got uh, Washington, the Cowboys, and the Giants. Mm. I mean, they're all up in the air. All had awful seasons last year, so that's that's that is the one for the taking. And if Jalen Hurts can continue that performance into into at least the start of the season, then he gets his confidence and everything. Exactly, then, yeah. then they could go. I don't know. Big shout could go back to the playoffs and back to that twenty seventeen Super Bowl. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's that's. I don't know. You've heard it here, from folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, as we as we know, anything can happen in that NFC East division. Like mm. anything can happen. Uh, and, and it's the polar opposite of anything that happened to the NFC West division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you could have someone go 
one and one and sixteen and still get the playoffs. Mm. Like for all we know, because that's how tossed that division was last year. But um, it, it's it's almost a different end of the spectrum for for my next point. Go uh, we've gone from a division who a shit <laughs> to a division who are dominated by one team. But looks like the Chiefs may have competition again in the Chargers, which we all knew about Justin Herbert yeah. and that receiving core in LA and the new head coach. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the Denver Broncos. Mm. Big win. Big win. Their receiving core is so fucking good. Yeah. Like, all they need is Drew Locke to get out of his shell. Mm-hmm. And it's a do or die. We, we spoke about do or dies a lot in our preseason shows. And this, for me, is the biggest one yet. This is can Drew Locke give the impact to the Broncos he needs to do? Because yeah. if he doesn't, they're going to go and get Deshaun. Or they'll get a low pick next year, or they'll trade up for a pick, and they'll get Spencer Rattler mm. or one of the other boys in, in in the draft in 2022. And I almost feel like the Denver Broncos saw the Cowboys at Prescott and were like, "Oh, we can do that with Drew Locke. He yeah. was a fourth round pick. He came out of Missouri, like not a very well known divisional program, mm. um, but he finally looked comfortable throwing to Hamler, Judy, and." their last receiver now I can't remember but he was he's class and Noah Font who's their tight end who's one of the top five tight ends in my opinion in the league I think Drew Locke is actually going to compete in that division this year I think that the Broncos are just an overall better squad this year I mean putting threat I think um, the Broncos got the most points for for one team this this preseason so far in week one and they only got the Vikings on six points I mean, that, that defence has already shown that they can... I think the Vikings with six is, is the worst amount of points, they're the lowest amount of points in pre-season so far. Mm-hmm. And obviously they've got Patrick Sertan, who got a pick six as well um, on Sunday. So I think you're right. I think they're... Out of them, out of that division, I think the Broncos are probably... I mean, it's going to be close between the Broncos and the Chargers about who's going to really yeah. compete with the Chiefs. But the other thing is, it seems like the Raiders are just constantly dark horses that you can't even rule them out. Yeah. So that's got their nightclub in there as well, aren't they? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Um, my last point, because my, my actual last point I noted, we'll cover later on in our Hard Knocks review. Um, Goff. Jared Goff at Detroit Lions. Yeah. Big move, obviously, in the summer with Stafford and Goff. Basically, yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe I was going to say basically getting traded. That's exactly what happened. Um <laughs> I'm in the football transfer mindset. Um, Goff has been told he has the best O-line in the league. Uh, that, that didn't look it. Uh, that didn't look it. Um, he showed that he could still play. Yeah. It, it's not a question of his ability. I I, I, I was a doubter. I'm going to say I still am a doubter because I don't think he's a top 10 QB in the league. But... but is Matt Stafford better? That's, we'll cover that in the season. Multiple God. times, I'm sure. Um, but you can't be going into the season telling your QB he has the best O-line in protection in the league. Yes. And then that display was shambolic. Yeah, like, he still made passes when he was 40, at a 45-degree angle. Mm. Like, 
But that shouldn't be the case. The case should be he's protected to make the plays he needs to in his pocket. Dan Campbell, mate, you have a great vibe, you have a great character, sort your football team out. Yeah, I don't get it. Is this his first job? No, he was the defensive coordinator at uh, his first head Saints, coach job. first head coach. Oh, no, was it? No, he was at Dolphins that was oh, before um, Adam Gates. So it's been a while. Now, I saw a stat the other week, right? Every Detroit Lions head coach, I believe, in the last 20 years or ever, once they have left the... Once they've been sacked from the Lions as the head coach, they've never got a head coaching job again. Ooh. And this could be the reason why, because Dan Campbell is bigging up his players, they're not performing, that's going to make the fans angry, because mm. the fans are like, oh my God, he says we have the best O-line. We can't be sacked once this season. But then realistically, you're not. If he's, if he's being serious about that comment, then his football mind is silly, because uh, you look at other O-lines. Uh, Chiefs for one. The Chiefs. Brand new O line. I genuinely think Mahomes won't get touched. Interesting. But I mean, but, if you look at the names and where they've come from, like anyway, I just, I just don't get it. I think it's a brave strategy. <laughs> it is a brave strategy. It's a silly strategy as well. Yeah, I mean, I do feel sorry for Goff because he's been put in a situation. For all we know, he didn't know about it until the day he got traded. Like, mm. I hope something comes out in the season because it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Sean McVay. Yeah. Um, and it's just not going to get better, in my opinion. I, I, I totally agree. They're in, a, they're in a pretty tough division as well. So It looks shaky for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> so that's everything round up off NFL preseason week one. Um, it, interestingly... We've focused on quarterbacks. We have. And it's that part of the show, I feel, that we go to NFL Greatest. This is NFL Greatest, Ben. This is <laughs> our weekly thing during the preseason where we go through, oh, you lot know anyway, we go through the greatest things in NFL. And this week, I've got a little bit of a preseason route type thing. I mean, preseason week one especially, you get to see all the new signings which hit people bought from free agency. So I have gone with the NFL greatest free agents. Now this is, these are not greatest free agents who have just gone off, but these are greatest free agents that teams have acquired, bought them in, and they have done absolute wonders. I'm gonna stick with your thing and go, I've got a few honorable mentions. <laughs> How dare you take that off I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My first honorable mention is Nick Foles to the Eagles in 2017. Now in the preseason week one game, he actually got booed off the pitch by his new team, the Chicago Bears. And it's mental to think because last uh, three years ago when he went to the Eagles, uh, four years ago when he went to the Eagles, he started only three of the regular season games after Carson Wentz got injured. And he went on to win the Super Bowl and be Super Bowl MVP, mm. beating Tom Brady, and has now got a statue outside of the Eagle Stadium, which is unreal. And this is what I love about the NFL, because four years ago he was doing that, and on Sunday night he's a third-string quarterback of a team, and he's playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. But I think that's a good mention because he basically played. Five games and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mental. My other one will mention Peyton Manning to the Denver Broncos oh, in 2012. Uh, that's a great first year, uh, first three year numbers. 
and he also had a record-breaking 2013 season. And obviously, as we know, they won Super Bowl 50, um, and it was their first Super Bowl since 1998. Uh, any thoughts on Peyton? I mean, that's quite surprising. I put my honourable mentions, but you'll see uh, why. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Looking at it straight on, you think, oh, that, that, and that. Yeah. When the horizons broaden, shall we say, <laughs> I think there's a lot to be opened up on. Yeah, indeed. Right, so if we start with number five, it's Kurt Warner to the St. Louis Rams in we're, 1990. We're going to need a Venn diagram for our <laughs> NFL greatest this week. <laughs> Kurt Warner to the... Oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> You'll see you later. So Kurt Warner came from NFL Europe. He was at the Amsterdam Admirals. And once he got to the Rams, he won a Super Bowl, had two MVP awards in six years. So a third of his years there in St. Louis, he won MVP. Mm. Not, not a bad ratio. <laughs> um, number four, we've got Reggie White to the Packers in 1993. Now, I hadn't really heard of him, but um, way before our time. But his stats prove why he's in this top five. He came from the Philadelphia Eagles. He had 68.5 sacks over six years. That's pretty much average in around 12, 12 mm. sacks a season. He won the 1998 Defensive Player of the Year and won a Super Bowl. Now, number three is more of our era. It's from last year. It's Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. I've only put him at number three because he hasn't... He's only had there one season. He's not been consistent. Yeah. Mm. But all he needed was one season. Obviously, he came from the Patriots where he spent 19 years there winning six Super Bowls. And his first season last year... Won a Super Bowl for Tampa Bay. Uh, they haven't won since 2002. And he had, and that, that, that team had a 7-9 record the season before. And he transformed them to an 11-5 record. Won them the Super Bowl. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, number two, I've gone for James Harrison to the Steelers in 2004. Again, not really our time. But his stats prove that this is why he should be in the top five. From NFL Europe again. Second Ooh. one from NFL Europe. He was at Rhein Fire in Germany before he joined the Steelers. He went on a five-year Pro Bowl streak. Uh, he was a 2008 Defensive Player of the Year with 16 sacks, and he won them two Super Bowls. Now, number one. It's the big one. 2006, Mr. Drew Brees to the New Orleans Saints. I, I, I love that that is a free agency. Like People don't realise he was drafted by the Chargers. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. From the, uh, at that time, San Diego Chargers. He had 11 Pro Bowls in 14 seasons with the Saints. He won a Super Bowl and he led the NFL in passing yards seven times. So in half the time he was in New Orleans, he had the most passes in a season. And that's why he's number one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's mad. Pretty good, eh? I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah, we through that, didn't we? Yeah. Well... So obviously I've I've foresaid that there is a Venn diagram for the first time in our NFL greatest Ooh. on the podcast season four, um, and that is because I've gone with NFL greatest backup QBs ever, mm. and I haven't just based it on their numbers as backup QBs. I've also gone on as like where their career has blossomed from then or what they've received after that season, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I have five names, and as we seem to do. Other than my honourable mentions in my NFL greatest, between us we will decide who is our number one backup QB oh, ever. In no particular order, my first QB is Nick Foles. 
Venn diagram option <laughs> number one. <laughs> Obviously, his 2018 season, he won the Super Bowl. He came in after Carson Wentz's injury. Carson Wentz looked like he was in the MVP conversation. Mm. He was having a great year. Terrible injury. Nick Foles, who now has a statue, gets called up. Five games, three of which were playoffs. Seven touchdowns, average 7.3 yards a play. 141 completions of 195 throws. That is a good completion rate. I mean, I, I do feel sorry for him because he got drafted to the Rams and wasn't great. Yeah. Kind of got benched, then chucked out for Case Keenum. Um, and then the Eagles gave him an opportunity and boy did he run with the football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I, looking at it now, I'd say he's probably my number five, but we'll decide that later on. Okay, okay. Uh, number two, uh, Venn diagram option number three. Oh uh, number two, sorry, not number God, three. Ben, what's going uh, on with you? Tom Brady, in the year 2000. Right. We yeah. now know him as the GOAT. Yeah. Uh, he has three first-team All-Pros out of 14 Pro Bowls. Including 2001, which was his first starting season. No, yes, including that was his first starting season in the NFL. Obviously, we now know he has seven rings at yeah. two different franchises. Uh, but in that first year, he had one game, one completion, three attempts, and six yards. And now look at him now. <laughs> like, I bet Bill was there like, why, why have that we done mental. this? Why have we where done he's, this? Where he's come from. And look at him now. Like, anyone would have thought, oh, we've got a scrawny Michigan QB. He was like second string or something mm. there. And he's got seven rings 21 years later. He has more rings on his fingers than every franchise. The most, the teams in the most franchises yeah, are the Steelers and the Patriots. Went for six. And he's got seven. That's <laughs> mental. <laughs> That is absolutely mental. God. And he was a backup QB the year we were born. Oh, my Christ. Where is it? My God. Uh, (laughs) My third backup QB doesn't belong in the Venn diagram this week. Okay. Uh, Frank Reich. Obviously, we know him as the Indianapolis Colts head coach Mm -hmm. and the the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator uh, under the first year of Doug Peterson. I think. I believe so. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know he played, to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, thank Reich. 1992, most known for his wildcard win in mm. the wildcard playoffs. He was behind Jim Kelly, who's obviously a Bills Mafia hero, legend, legacy of the game in Buffalo. Um, so, you know, it's like stepping up behind Brady yeah. <laughs> in, in Foxborough, <laughs> you know. That's why so many came and went. Mm. Um, but a 32-point comeback in the wild card game against, at the time, the Houston Oilers. 289 yards and four touchdowns. Jesus. The week before, they played the Oilers and they got battered. I can't remember the exact score. I didn't write it down. But to come back behind Jim Kelly, play against the team who just whooped your, you sideways, <laughs> beat you silly, and 
to put up 289 yards and four touchdowns. That is ridiculous. It's mad. Then, after the wild card win in the divisional round, they beat the Steelers, who were the number one seeds, 24-3, to get the Bills to the Super Bowl, where Jim Kelly came back and sadly they didn't win, because they obviously got four Super Bowls in a row and didn't win a single one. Yeah. But, that's impressive from Frank Reich. Like, our generation wouldn't have a scooby about that. Mm. I don't know many people would, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> but when I saw that, I was like, that's that's impressive. That's, that's huge. Uh, number four, uh, Aaron Rodgers, 2005 to 2007. Obviously, he was back up behind Arv mm. for, for four seasons. Um, <laughs> where do you start with this, other <laughs> than he's the current league MVP? Uh <laughs> He only had seven games in his first three seasons in the league, and they were all pre-season games. Right? Didn't play one actual snap of league football. Didn't play one snap of playoff football. And he still had... In, in all of these seven games of the three seasons, he had 35 completions, one touchdown, and 329 yards. Wow. And now he's the <laughs> league MVP. Like, 39 completions and one touchdown, 313 yards. In three years, yeah. It's mad to see where these players have come from. Like, he was a first-round pick, and obviously people were surprised how low he dropped. Yeah. And Brett Favre was obviously unbelievably surprised and fairly hacked off that mm. they didn't say anything to him. Um, <laughs> but he's the current league MVP. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, in his first season, he went 6-10. and 10. But now one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Uh, and nine Pro Bowls, three All-Pros. A Pretty third good. of his Pro Bowls, he's an All-Pro, which means he starts in yeah. Pro Bowl. Um, mega. I mean, I feel quite guilty because although he was back up, he was always going to be good because mm. he was a round one pick. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not like, you know, Antonio Brown-esque or... I even mean Frank Reich or Tom Brady or Nick Foles Anyway, my last one, and he is the third QB who belongs in our diagram tonight, Brandon. Nice. Kurt Warner, 1999, playoff success with the St. Louis Rams. He got to the ninth, 1990, uh, got to the Rams in 1999, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a bagpacker in the shops in Amsterdam, as well as playing was in he? the NFL. <laughs> uh, and, he had to step up on the biggest stage. In that season <laughs> he won the Super Bowl, he played three games. They were all in the playoffs and it ended with a ring on his finger. Bit like Nick Foles. Bit like Nick Foles. Eight touchdowns, 77 out of 121 attempts completed, 1,063 yards in three games. Wow. That is mega stats. Like a thousand yards in three games. It's going to be close to, to size. To put that in perspective for our listeners, running backs get gassed when they have a 1,000-yard season. Mm. And I know it's not a quarterback, and it's a quarterback comparing it to a running back, but that's how big a 1,000 yards yeah. means to some people. And he did that in three games. <laughs> Mad. Um, he's now a Hall of Famer. And yes. He had an 11-year career behind him where he also helped the Rams have many a playoff runs mm. and took the Cardinals back to the promised land where we sadly failed to the Steelers um, <laughs> but yeah 
there are five. Nick Foles, Tom Brady, Frank Reich, Aaron Rodgers, and Kurt Warner. Based on those statistics, Brandon, who is your number one greatest NFL backup quarterback of all time? Well, if you're looking at backups, because obviously you'd say um, Tom Brady's obviously the best. But mm. if we're looking at the backup, backup race, Tom Brady did not do very well. No. I think it's I think it's a it's it's between two. I reckon it's between Frank Reich yep. and also the man you just said, Kurt Warner. I'm completely with you on that. <laughs> but I would. Why don't you? This is your segment. Who do you think should go? Number uh, one? I think Kurt Warner. I think, and I'm not saying that because he's a former Cardinal, but a Super Bowl ring on his finger after coming from NFL Europe as a backpacker. A bagpacker, sorry, not a bagpacker. <laughs> he wasn't a tourist. A bagpacker uh, to an NFL Hall of Fame career of three games, basically, that made his legacy in St. Louis. Well done, Kurt Warner. Well you done, are the Division B podcast NFL greatest backup QB of all time. Great, great stuff, great stuff. Kurt. Absolutely great stuff. <laughs> That's right, folks. You've heard the sound, which means we're coming into... Well, this week is not our last segment, but no, it's, not. it's an interesting segment. We're going to delve into our Believe It or Not, as we like to do in our pre-season, that will possibly there's been negotiations within the Division B boardroom that it may return for the actual season. Uh, Believe It or Not book, though. Um, and then a brand new segment. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> What's this? Anyway, <laughs> believe it or not. Now, obviously, we've had two trial periods <laughs> where we've we've mixed it up a bit, but we finally settled, haven't we? We've got two facts each, mm-hmm. two believe it or not interest each. I'll kick it off. Go on, Ben. Number one. I need to get a good record on this. I think I've, I think I've got them all wrong so far. I think you got one right. Oh, did I? Yeah, I, anyway. Number one, believe it or not, Brandon, the reason the Hall of Fame is in Canton, Ohio, is because the first ever team in the AFL to go unbeaten was the Canton Bulldogs, who once went unbeaten 25 games straight. Oh. Believe it or not. Well, this this wasn't in the uh, YouTube video that got me my... <laughs> Chicago Bears <laughs> last last week, so that's already that's already hit. But I don't believe it. But there is that stadium there that they play in, mm. and I can't imagine anyone. What's it called? The James Brown Stadium. I can't Something remember. Like that. I think so. So that does give me a little bit of a an inkling that it did exist or something did exist around there. But for it to being named it because they went on a 25-win streak. I don't know, the Canton Bulldogs? I don't know, it seems more like a college team than a NFL team. So I'm not going to believe it then. You should have been a believer, Brandon. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. It is a true really? statement. From 1921 to 1923, they finished the 1921 season with a win, then went 10-0-2. In 1922 and 11 one in 1923. You should have thought about it. You're on the right track thinking James Brown. Is that a stadium? 
I think it was. Oh! And the other thing was, oh, Bulldogs, so what other team in Ohio, specifically Cleveland, used the name Bulldogs? Oh, yeah. The Browns. And who was the owner of the Browns? James Brown. Brown. Oh! <laughs> oh, that is so stupid! Your thought process was there, my brother. It just didn't back <laughs> you all the way. Oh, that is horrible. That is that is severely bad for me. <laughs> I think we may have to move this into regular season, so I actually may not get one right at least. That's an interesting one. I was amazed by that, because yeah. I did always think... Canton, Ohio is not exactly famous, is it? Like, no. If you were to have a Hall of Fame, you'd think Hawaii, mm. LA, Florida. Not <laughs> Canton, Ohio. Oh. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, I was like, why have they chosen that? But obviously, there you go. That's a good fact. The Canton Bulldogs, there you go, mate. Pretty good. Anyway, I wasn't very good, though. you're number one. Right, my number one, I just said this to you. We've already mentioned it, so it's going to be a bit of a throwaway one. <laughs> is it something you've mentioned or something I've something mentioned? Something you've mentioned. As oh, soon as you right. said it, I was like... Let's <laughs> hope I get it right. <laughs> if you don't get it right, that's as bad as me getting all of them wrong so far. Believe it or not, Ben, what team is considered the most unlucky team in NFL history, losing four straight Super Bowls? Oh, oh. No, let me think about this. No, don't take the mic. <laughs> don't take the mic, please. The Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I believe. For extra points, who'd they lose to? Oh. Well, is this part of your believe it or not? No, but <laughs> because you already knew it, I'm going to have to whack this in there now. Who did they lose to? They lost to a team twice. Right. So they're, N- they're AFC, which means it has to be NFC. You're on the right And line. in the NFC, who has the most Super Bowls? Is one of them the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah. How many? Two. Okay, that's two down, two to go halfway. I'm going to go Green Bay Packers. Nope. Oh, one, one, one more go, one more go. <laughs> okay. How many did the Rams have? I think the Rams only had two. Maybe three. But is that that era? I don't think that's that era. Then. Oh, oh, no, I don't know. I'm going to have to push you for time. Oh, God, we're running out. Uh, five seconds. Uh, Three. Uh, uh, shit, Two. No, no, no. One. Quick. Ah! Duh, no idea. Right. Two, you got them. Giants. Well done. So, two times Cowboys, one times Giants, and also the Washington Redskins. So, basically, the Bills hate... The NFC East. Yes. They've lost to everyone apart from the Eagles. Um, yeah, but that was mine. You already know it. So. At least that was an interesting part. Yeah, that was very interesting. <laughs> you did pretty well. You did better than... Oh, I just don't... It just came to me. I was like, oh, was that, was that Eli? Was that Eli in his first year, mate? No, that would have been way too early. Like, yes, yeah, that's... Oh, I'm I thinking of another player. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> my number two, believe it or not. Oh, please get it right. Believe it or not, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Tampa has hosted the most Super Bowls with 11. Now, there is a thing with Super Bowl host cities. Yes, there because is. Because it is February. They can't really ever have it in a cold state. So or, they can't have it in... Like, or not a dome. Yeah. They mm. can't have it in like a... Uh, a 
Lombardi. Yeah. Not Lombardi, oh, yeah. Lambo, which is Lambo. Really sad. Or the Patriots saying Gillette Stadium. So that does give me hope. Now, Raymond J. It's like, oh, it's, oh, no, it's not the stadium, it's Tampa. Hosting 11. Well, they've just hosted one. But then you do have places like. I don't know. I've seen Brandon in a test, listeners, and I've, I haven't seen this much concentration on his face. But you ever. do have San Francisco as well, and LA, and places like that. And but I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe it. Oh my god! You shouldn't have believed. Oh, that. I should have known because you really don't want to believe. Oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> you, you should have been a non-believer. Uh, it is eleven. There is one city that has hosted the Super Bowl eleven times, and to make the pain or to Push the dagger even deeper into your wound, Brandon. It is a Florida city, but it's not Tampa, it's Miami. Miami, and again, you were on the right lines. It was a previous host, and it was a hot city, and it was in the southeast of America, but it wasn't Tampa. It was Miami. 1968, 2007, 2010, 2020. I, I'm, all of these questions, if it was an exam, I'm getting three out of four marks. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the right workings. As long as it's it a maths question. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it out. Oh, God, I hate this segment. I love it as well. <laughs> right, this is my final one. In 1970, Tom Dempsey kicked the longest NFL field goal which stood for 43 years with a stubbed right foot. How long was it? Uh, I think it was 63 yards. It got broken in 2000. Stubbed right foot? Mm-hmm. I was a believer last time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to believe. You're right. Oh, full house tonight. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> the man was born with half a right foot. And he only has he's I've seen things on NFL films on his right hand. I've seen it on NFL well. films. He's like yeah. you've seen his, his boot is like a mm. proper like It's like one of those square. legs it's like one of those legs um the leg casts you get when you break your ankle yeah. your foot. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty and he he stood the longest field goal with half a right foot for forty three years. That's mad. And he had half a foot. I mean to be fair, the boot was literally a square. So yeah. yeah, that's a proper pun. Toe pun. <laughs> it's yeah. a toe pun. <laughs> it's not like, 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 it's like streamlined. It's a proper punter. <laughs> um, there we go. We have our Believe It or Not this week. Uh, Brandon, yet again, has failed to live up to standard knowledge of NFL, quite frankly. Uh <laughs> It's it, really it, it wasn't. It wasn't going well when you'd written a fact that was in my yeah, uh, no, that was... NFL greatest. It was. It this, was always curtains from then this, on in. The segment it? doesn't like me, <laughs> but I think this next segment will like. Well, it. let's see if the listeners can remember this. The tales of T-Bone. Spooky. Oh, this is our new segment. It is the Tales of Tebow. Now, we were going to start this in the regular season. However, we're not sure he's actually going to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as people know, or as we've mentioned, probably about 
about half a team gets cut before the regular season. And this man is probably most likely going to get cut. Now, for some context of who who is Tim Tebow? He's a 34-year-old ex-quarterback. He played for the Patriots, the Broncos, the Jets. He's from the University of Florida, the Florida Gators. And he won the Heisman Trophy in 2007. Um, Huge believer in God. Big believer no, in God. He, he actually... Uh, dog? God. <laughs> He's actually... the People call it Tebowing when people take one knee on uh, the Grammy National Anthem. It's called Tebowing because he, he invented that. Um, but this man, he played a few seasons, didn't really find a home as quarterback. Then he went on to work as a TV analyst and then joined a minor baseball team. Um... But after that, after that fiasco, it all died down again. And he's rejoined the Jags as a tight end. Now, this guy's 34 years old. He's about six foot four, and he's a tight end. He's no, he's no Rob Gronkowski. He no. can't come back from retirement and do this. And you'll see why. Um, he's basically a bit of a laughing stock in the league. So, what are the tales of Tebow this week? The tales of Tebow this week, Ben. He played in the Jags' loss win. <laughs> and he didn't do anything <laughs> apart tall. from the catch in midweek of training he did do that that was amazing yeah. as well but talking of catches he actually had a ball thrown to him in the game but his wide receiver came and took it from him oh he was literally was he open he was well open oh. and the wide receiver was like nope took it off him so he didn't have any receptions didn't have any yards uh, didn't have any completions um and the, the big thing that, the big meme that has come out of it, basically the Jags were in the red zone. Uh, they were in their 10-yard line, going for a touchdown, and they give it to, I think it was uh, Travis Etienne, I may be wrong though, the running back. Mm. And as a tight end, when a running back runs, you've got to try and block the defensive lineman on the other side. Now, he didn't quite do that. <laughs> he tried to block, he got <laughs> swerved, he fell over... <laughs> And the lineman went and tackled the running back oh, down. They never no. got a touchdown. Um, so, yeah, his first scene, his first game back, his first as a tight end, uh, he got a ball thrown to him, which was taken by his own teammate, and he fell over trying to defend someone. <laughs> so, there we go. The Tales of Tebow will be back next week. While we're on that, oh, I'm really oh. sorry, Ran, to add, <laughs> add, add, add even more pain to your ever-opening oh, no. wound. Do you reckon Madden 22, although he's the tight end, you could put him at QB and have a higher rating at QB than he would at tight end? Oh, definitely. He played more games at quarterback than he has at tight end. He's only played one at tight end ever. Anyway, <laughs> those are the tales of Tebow. Yay! Yay! Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow. <laughs> yes, we are now into our final segment. You can thank the Lord this episode is coming to an end. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's been as long as we thought it No, was. I, I, I don't think it... We'll see when we end it. Um, <laughs> oh, no. But Hard Knocks has started. Um, yeah. I think we gave a brief description last week or first episode of this new season for us. Hard Knocks is basically a fly on the wall documentary of uh, a new team every single season about how the staff, the players, the whole facility, the owners go about managing preseason. Uh, this year, it is the Dallas Cowboys, mm -hmm. which is a very interesting team because Dak's just come off. Dak Prescott, their quarterback, who's got a stupid amount of money coming his way, uh, has just come off a 
horrifying injury. Yeah. Um, as well as that, his brother took his own life in the summer. Um, and he's really coming for resurgence in, in 2021. Mm. As well as that, Mick McCarthy is their head coach. He's won a Super Bowl at Green Bay. Jerry Jones, their owner, is adamant they will win a Super Bowl before he... It's a bit like Roy Hodgson last year in season one of our podcast. Jerry Jones is either going to die or it will actually happen uh, before Dallas get a new Super Bowl. Um, (laughs) Which is a bit bad to say, but it's the fact. Um, (laughs) What are your thoughts, Ben? It's... it's, on, on the first episode? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, not the fourth episode, Ben. It hasn't happened yet. First episode? Yeah, of course. All right, my bad. God, Ben! <laughs> long, long day at the office, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was it was interesting. It was really interesting. I think one thing that I haven't noted down um, that really interested me was, like, the Amazon Prime documentary, All or Nothing, mm. um, that was done on Dallas uh, three years ago now, four years ago now, yeah. when Jason Garrett was in charge. Something you could really tell was Dak and Zeke own the dressing room. Like, you, you could just tell they were the life, they were the soul, they were the vibe of the party. Um, and you could tell they had a good relationship, but what really unveiled it is they both were like, he's my best mate. Yeah. He, he's, my, he's my dog, as they say in the States. <laughs> you know, um, And that was really nice to see, because I think, obviously, you see a lot of these fanatics on the field, and you see a lot of media portraying them in a certain light. Mm-hmm. And that's what these fly on the wall documentaries do. They uncover that. And they show uh, every aspect of a professional athlete's life. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting. So to see that relationship between them was, was nice. And I hope they almost keep that as a rolling theme mm. through the four episodes. However, we do have our takeaways. We're a podcast. That means we are judgmental media pricks, uh, which <laughs> makes a change. <laughs> um, my first takeaway is... Uh, Dak Prescott he has obviously as stated come off a horrific injury um, a very hard year in his life um, got a new contract so he's kind of walked himself into a lot of pressure Yeah. Um, and with that Mick McCarthy is trying to manage him really well but he just wants to get on the field and he wants to do reps mm. and of course you do you're a professional athlete it's like Lionel Messi being told you can't take free kicks of course he's going to kick up a fuss. Yeah. Uh, maybe not Lionel Messi is the right comparison, but that one, one may come to me in the future. Ronaldo. Maybe not he, even that high. Ronaldo definitely kicks up a fuss. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but Dak wasn't whining. He was just like, it's just frustrating. I want to be on the field. Yeah. I want to throw my reps. I want to get my ankle back yeah. to full health. Um, he needs patience. If he isn't patient, it's just going to worsen. And obviously with the shoulder injury that's come out, I mean, he had his MRI yesterday, as of the time of recording this, and um, nothing came of it. But that's just one example. Should he have been on the field for that rep? Mm -hmm. We don't know. Is that something Mick McCarthy will make him hold Dak even more for now? Yes, of course it is. So it is going to be a case of, right, well, are we going to see Dak in any preseason games? I think we will. I think we have to. I don't think it'll be until quarter one of preseason week three. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not patient, they'll lose their franchise QB again. Yeah. I think that you're, the good point about this, or the, the overall main point about this is him having so much passion and so much energy to get back on that field mm. that it's going to hinder him 
like you saw him on the sidelines being really frustrated like you said and he's saying that he feels like if he doesn't go on there it's going to worsen himself because he's going to get rusty and everything but I think that's where that's where you've got a man you've got your franchise quarterback when he wants to be on the pitch he wants to play he wants to he wants to do everything he can to get back on do everything for the team um but again like mentioned it's going to be tricky he's on the recovery process which he's been on for the last 10 11 months Mm. and you can't just go right back into it going all guns blazing like in a pre-season game where you've seen over the last few games over the weekend people People don't care anymore about preseason games. People hit people. It's not like, not like the uh, oh, what's, uh, the Pro Bowl game where people yeah. they don't care. They're a joke. Yeah, yeah. But preseason games, it is all. I don't how however much we we slag it off and NFL critics and journalists and players and coaches slag it off. The players really care. The the players they they need that that rush that adrenaline rush. And if that gets hit, then I think God. I think you hear it a lot, and if, again, if you've seen any of the documentaries or any of the mic'd up on Jarvis Landry, or it was actually the Cowboys, was it the Cowboys or was it the Rams? I can't remember. One of the players stood up and said, this is our livelihoods. This is what we're fighting for. We do this shit because we're fighting for our family's health, well-being, livelihoods. Mm-hmm. You don't meet that more in pre-season. Like, yeah. there are guys you've never heard of and probably people that the actual QBs, receivers, coaches have never heard of until they turn up to their facility. Mm. And you're absolutely right. If that goes in there, there's going to be guys literally going, this is why you should select me. This is why I need to be on your roster. Yeah. And if they go and they crunch back from an angle he hasn't seen coming, that could be him done until 2022 mm. again. So, that's, that's one aspect. But... The, the rest of my points are really positive and I wouldn't even say that's a full negative good to be that I, I think what you said about Dak's uh, focus and his drive and his motivation and determination to get out there and play again is great and their vibe in camp just seemed buzzing mm. like all of them were happy all of them were smiling you normally get an odd like I'm not going to say argument but like a debate or yeah. something like why did you do this when you could have done this you get that a lot in the hard knocks and the Amazon Prime or nothing when they show the preseason stuff. So, and I think one of the points I think you've got noted down is the special thing Coach McCarthy got for their training. Do you want to go into this? The mojo, baby. <laughs> Groovy, baby. Yes. Uh, Mike McCarthy is bringing in this new thing over preseason. He mentioned it on the on hard knocks. It's called the mojo play. Now. People know the mojo. It's from Austin Powers when Doctor E was like, "He has what?" And he is like, "Mojo, what is mojo?" <laughs> um, basically, it's basically a play that gets everyone excited—the the big play, the one which you need to get that adrenaline rush and everything like that. And I think in terms of preseason, it's a really great thing because, as you said, I think it comes with that. Dak wants to get out there and he's really focused and everything. Micah Parsons, we see on the sideline in the Hall of Fame game saying to Dan Quinn, let me go out for one more play, let me go out for one more play. And he's like, no, 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 you can't. And I think things like this, like the mojo plays, is it it really includes everyone. It makes everyone enjoy what they're doing. It's I mean, Mike McCarthy's only, it's only his second year is, um, mm. at Dallas, and he's he never had a training camp no. last year. So this is his first year to properly get 
all his players into this routine. He gets his uh, actions, his points, all his, his, his vision across to all these players in training camp. And it's a really exciting thing for these players that this, this mojo moment that they're calling it is being implemented in this game. And it could mm. be, like we said about the tactics, like are they hiding something? This could be something that they hide. They may, it may be a call they play, like a mojo. They may, they may turn a mojo moment into a, into a play. It's very possible. But I think it's just, it excites the players. It excites us as fans that there's something happening in pre-season. Um, it's, just, it's just good fun. Hail Mojo. Hail Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, absolutely right. And I, I, I think the other thing that comes with that is the staff enjoy it. And the mm. staff look comfortable. And that's my next point is Dan Quinn's come off a shocking couple of seasons as the Falcons head coach. Yeah. And he's landed a defensive coordinating job in Dallas where we've mentioned in three of our last four episodes now is that's America's team. Mm. That's the team that people from the outside look into and go, Oh, Dallas are playing. Yeah. It's like going into football and saying, oh, United are playing. That's the team that expectations ride on higher than anybody else. And the fact that he looks comfortable and his support staff on the defence are comfortable and Mike McCarthy look comfortable and all the Jones family look like they have trust and they have the respect to their players and their staff yeah. is great. And I don't think that fuels for anything but greatness. Mm. And I don't know whether that's going to come this year or 2022 or 2023, but that is definitely in the near future for the Dallas Cowboys yeah. as a franchise. So, I think they're on the up. Yeah. They, they were the team going into pre-season like we've mentioned that we were probably most intrigued about. And mm. this hard knocks, even the first episode has shown that they're all together, they're happy, they're ready to take on everyone else yeah and <laughs> both of our last points there actually lead very nicely into my final point <laughs> the, the near future and what did I just say I, I've forgotten as well <laughs> uh, I don't know anyway you're listening so you'll remember <laughs> um, the near future anyway Mick Parsons CD Lamb mm. CD Lamb was wanted by Cardinals, the Seahawks, and many other teams who there's probably too many to even mention, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. Um, and the Cowboys got him. And on the defense, they got Meek Parsons. Both players, I think, are going to make such an impact in 2021. Mm-hmm. As you've already said with Meek Parsons, he didn't want to come off the field. Yeah. And he was saying to Coach Quinn, Don't take me off, I want more. Why are you doing this? And, he, and Coach Quinn went, I don't want to take you off either, trust me. But you've got to do it. It's just something you have to do. You have to ease in. You have to get there. We can't have you injured. Mm. It's as simple as that. He was making plays. And he played 10 minutes, I think. Three tackles as well. <laughs> in 10 minutes of the game. Like, that's mental. And then, speaking about... <laughs> he's also corrected Dak to Dad. Uh, <laughs> on my notes. Um, who are the guys who are going to help those two? Dak and Zeke. Yeah. As I've said, it's Dak's year to to say I'm here. Mm. This is my team. We haven't seen that yet. He has he hasn't had a playoff though. Yeah. He hasn't. Oh no, he's got into the playoffs, but they haven't had a deep run. No. When was the last time you heard the, the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC divisional game? Uh, NFC Championship game. Sorry. Oh, very long. Probably time before ago. we were alive. Yeah. Probably last time they. 
won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And with Jerry's ambition and Jerry's lifeline, that needs to hurry up. It's very morbid, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I do, I do apologise. But um, <laughs> no, Dak and Zeke, they need to step up. I think Dak last year was shut. He was injured. Uh, not Dak, Zeke. My bad. Dak, Dak looked good for God, the first time. You are a harsh head coach. <laughs> Dak, you're rubbish. I've only played four games. Dak, you're rubbish. <laughs> yeah. My ankle's at a 90 degree angle, coach. <laughs> you can still throw. <laughs> this is it, Durand? No. Um, this is football, but not football. It's handball, really. <laughs> but no, Zeke, Zeke last year was terrible by his standards. Like, what we saw at Ohio State, I think it was a Heisman finalist. Mm. Um, again, he's come in, asked for the money. He got the money. Prove it. I think the the first thing, other than obviously Dak's motivation out of these two, is Zeke is hungry, and you can see that he's lost weight. He looks fit. The guy's defined, like in terms of his muscle. He's coming in to run the league again. He's coming in to say, "I'm the best running back in this league," and that's no easy task. Saquon Barkley's back. Christian McCaffrey's back. Yeah. Derek Henry, otherwise known as King Henry in the South. Najee Harris, the new boys. Najee Harris is looking Travis class. Etienne. Travis Etienne, I don't know if I put him in that bracket. Hey, who knows? But, and then, you know, we're not even getting into NFC West or Aaron Jones in the NFC North Dalvin or Cook. Dalvin Cook in the NFC North yet again. We're not touching those names. And Zeke is coming in on a £98 million contract. Yeah, it's it a is. lot of money. Yeah. Come in and say to Jerry, say to the Cowboys, say to the league, say to America, as you are America's team, I am your running back. Mm. You've done it for two seasons out of your five in the league already. Make it three out of six. Yeah. He's and got then, that tattoo, isn't he? Yeah. He says, feed me. He needs to be fed. Um, but they fed him last year. But he kept dropping the ball. He needs to be fed and keep his food down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every good point. Because <laughs> I think he had, I think it was six fumbles. Yes. And as a running back, when your main job is to hold a ball mm. and run, and half of that is taken away from you, well, yeah. pardon me, in your control, that's not great. That's not ideal. And it's like it's like a it's it's literally like a quarterback going, ha, have the ball. Oh, I'll just throw without the ball in my hand now. Yeah. It's like Tim Tebow not blocking when he needs to block. Yeah, it's almost it's <laughs> almost like it's in the job description of a yeah. tight end. Um. But what did you expect in Hard Knocks episode two? Uh, same again. It'll be yeah, interesting pre-season. for me because the preseason game was Cardinals. So it'll oh, be interesting yeah. to see what they cover in the Cardinals aspect. Because mm. for me, that'll be like, oh, do we look good? Yeah. <laughs> um, I expect the same. The yeah. same stuff. I think like what you said, uh, Dak and Zeke are probably going to be the main storylines across that. Dak's progress is obviously going to be the big a big headline. Mm. But yeah, at, at the first glance, first episode, I do hope it carries on because I don't mind the Cowboys. They're, they don't really affect us at all at the Patriots. I want them to succeed and in episode one, it looks like they're on that path. I, But who knows? After, your, after their loss, after maybe a loss next week and maybe mm. the week after, things may, things may take a turn. I, I, it's weird, isn't it? Like, we were told as spectators and as the players were told 
and the way the NFL are advertising this year is, is the biggest NFL season ever. Mm. And ever in full cap, block capital, say it as loud as you want because that's the way they're portraying it. Yeah. And for the Cowboys, I think it's their biggest season ever. It's huge. And we'll be there for We it. will be, and you'll be with us. Yes! We're back next week, preseason week two, Hard Knocks episode two, more NFL greatest, hopefully more... The Tales of Tebow. And a whole lot more. So, join us next week as we uncover even more here on the Division B podcast.